Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to the Television Archive. Show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved medium. My name is Thomas Michael Clark, and this is Halt and Catch Fire. Today we will be discussing Season 2, Episode 3, titled The Way In. Uh, Okay, bunch of stuff going on in this episode, lots to talk about here. First and foremost, uh, Mutiny. They're still a thing. They're going strong. They're chugging along the old development path. Everything's going well over there. Uh, Donna's excited about the expansion of community and going all in on that. Uh, Coders are pitching new game ideas, most of which are terrible. Look at you, Jigglers! (laughs) What the hell? was that? Nothing about that pitch made any form of sense. Lev is a goddamn moron. Uh, And Cameron uh, has finished a new chapter of Parallax, sort of distributes it out to uh, all the coders just for testing and shit. Uh, Tom, the new hire, Tom! My namesake, unfortunately, Tom! Raves about how shit it is, like, right in front of Cameron, like, to her face. Like, hey, this is terrible. I hate it. You took, uh, you took the design of this chapter and the puzzles from this chapter, put it in a blender, and hope no one would notice. This is trash. I wish I was playing another game. This is horrible. This is the worst thing. And just ripping into her. F you, Tom! Frickin' Tom! What an asshole! What a goddamn asshole. But anyway, other than that, everything's going well. It's all good. They are having healthy growth as a company, and it's all chugging along perfectly. Until... Gordon comes along... And creates a program called Sonaris, which is meant to actually track Mutiny's true number of users, meant to actually track uh, the true capability of the network. Uh, It's basically supposed to be a data collection program. And without telling anyone, he launches it. Into the system. Then goes off for a dinner with Joe McMillan. More on that later. And it immediately starts acting like flat out malware. And ends up eating pretty much the entire network. Pretty much all the games. Everything goes away. It ends up corrupting 
the systems of pretty much every user. Gordon just made a virus. Gordon just accidentally made a virus. And thrust it upon mutiny. So now basically their entire service has been destroyed. And Gordon and Donna rush over after being told like, hey, there's an emergency at mutiny, you need to come over. Uh, Gordon and Donna come over and Cameron's like, yeah, this thing called Sonaris just destroyed everything. And then Gordon's like, oh... Um, I effed up. And pretty much everyone loses their shit over this. Rightfully so. Cameron especially blows up at Gordon and is like, Oh, you just, you just destroyed everything. Like an actual original work, which you wouldn't know anything about. You sell out. Oh, you're just... On the outside, looking in with all your Cardiff money, you sell out. Uh, just, just like effing over our original work that we slaved over, and blah 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 blah. Just ripping into Gordon, and Gordon's like, "Hey, assholes! Like, my wife's the only reason you haven't been condemned." <laughs> like at one point, Cameron drags Donna into it because it's her husband, and. Gordon's like, hey, without Donna, you would have gone under a long time ago. Uh, She's been paying bills behind your back. So now Gordon is shunned. Gordon is shut out. uh, Left to wallow in self-pity. And everyone else gets to work on... Having the network not be eaten by a literal virus. So, Cameron and Donna get into an argument about various things. Joe McMillan comes up because that dinner with Joe happened and Cameron called Donna and the sitter was there and she gave a number. And she called that number, and it was Joe who answered, uh, and a bunch of other stuff. Cameron threatens to fire her if she ever uses her own money behind Cameron's back again. And in the morning, after everyone worked tirelessly to unscrew the network, uh, Cameron's basically looking at the data. All the player counts are at zero. Zero, 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 zero across the board. And then she has a full-blown panic attack over this. And my god, what an excellent portrayal of like a legitimate panic attack. Like she's just... Like, she has, like, the shortness of breath and all that. Like, that cliche of, like, you can't breathe. Uh, like, that that cliche, I can say, like, for very, very severe panic attacks is true. That happens. 
and you have like the heavy breathing, you have uh, the absolute inconsolability, uh, and you have Tom rush in and just calm her down by talking about Parallax, uh, but oh boy, uh, they... They handled that perfectly, and uh, props to Mackenzie Davis, because she nailed it in that scene. Call me. (laughs) It's been a while. It's been a while since I've been creepy towards Mackenzie Davis, but uh, it it felt like the right time. You can't see it because this is an audio podcast, but I'm I'm raising my eyebrows up and down a lot. <laughs> uh, but yeah, in all seriousness, Mackenzie Davis uh, does an amazing job in this scene, an amazing job in this entire episode. Uh, this season really does like kind of cement Cameron as like maybe my favorite character in this show. It's between her and Boz. Which, by the way, we got some significant Boz stuff we'll talk about in a minute. But anyway, that's what's going on in the mutiny world. Uh, We also got Joe doing some stuff. He's still at his dead-end data entry job. And is grinding away, grinding away, grinding away. Uh, He notices some inefficiencies. And brings them up to his manager, and his manager's like, Oh, that's how we've always done it. We can't change it. And then Joe, in response, is like, Hi, I'm on the phone now. I don't think uh, the podcasts are doing an impression of me. Mention that. Uh, Is Jacob Wheeler there? Can I make an appointment with him? Okay. Cool. And he goes up to the father of his girlfriend, the father of his fiance, just goes behind his manager's back, goes over his manager's head, and is like, hey, I need to fix these inefficiencies. And the dude's like, okay, do it. You control this department now. Scrap it, build your own. Fire uh, fire the asshole manager who was over you before. And Joe's like, wait, what? They, you just... You're just going to let me do that? The dude's like, yeah. You go ahead. Do it. Whatever. Cool. And Joe's like very weirded out by this. Very hesitant. Uh, and then the, the father does this whole metaphor about a seat opening on a crowded train and being hesitant to take it. Uh, maybe you're off at the next stop. Maybe uh, you're a good Samaritan. Or maybe you think you don't deserve it. It's, very, it's a very enigmatic little monologue there. And while all this is happening... Oh, also... I should talk about how this episode resolves for Joe. So... He goes in next day, all determined, goes into the mainframe room and realizes, wait a minute, these machines, they work the same hours we do. They work nine to five. So these 
miracle machines that can do so much so fast run for eight hours a day and nothing else. They are offline 16 hours a day. They are literally running at a third of their potential. And that's the end of the episode for Joe. While Joe's going through this whole kerfuffle at work, uh, he has a little dinner party. And at the request of his new fiance, invites over Gordon and Donna. Invites over the Dallas peoples. And so Gordon and Donna are in complete disbelief. Like, wait a minute, he has a fiance and he wants us over for dinner? What the hell? They go over purely out of curiosity. And they have a nice time. They sit down with Joe, meet the fiance, are very much surprised. Uh, Joe has an awkward moment where he starts doing his typical spinning, everything's fine, see me as superior shtick, and then the fiancé calls bullshit. And then he's like, yeah, I didn't get anything from Cardiff. Uh, I, I, I should tell that. And so Gordon and Joe have an honest discussion about, like, why he didn't say anything, uh, what he's gonna do now. Joe says, like, yeah, I don't, I don't care. I have her. I, I have, I have my fiance. I have this great woman. Like, I'm good. And then Donna, on the way to mutiny, is like, oh, well, he's got her wrapped around him. Like, he's, He's got her right where he wants her. Like, he's just using her for her father. Da, 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 da. And Gordon's, like, kind of not believing that scenario. Like, no, he seemed kind of genuine. Uh, but the whole thing is, like, super awkward and really, really fantastically done. Uh, meanwhile, Boz is going around sort of trying to fix certain relationships. Uh, he gets his car back. From before he went to jail. And just drives around. Uh, he goes to a motel. Has some sex with his ex-wife. Who then is like, yeah, now don't show up ever again. Which is weird, but okay. I feel like at that point, like, anything that comes after is on you. I feel like if in the same breath you say, let's have sex. Also... Never come to any family function again. I feel like that's... That's your bad. Like, any mixed signals are entirely on you. Like, I have no sympathy for the ex-wife in this subplot. But whatever. Uh, she specifically doesn't want him to go to their son's wedding. Their son's getting married. He has rehearsal dinner. Boz shows up in the parking lot of the rehearsal dinner. And at one point, the son comes out to the car. And they sit in the car. Boz reads the speech he would have read if he had been allowed to show up. And they have this nice little cathartic moment uh, where Boz makes up for uh, and apologizes for all the times he wasn't there. And the son is like, yeah, I 
I'm not mad at you. Like, I, I was, but not anymore. Like, he's sort of grown to understand Boz a little bit. And they have this nice moment. It is beautiful. Uh, the son wants him to come to the wedding itself, but then Boz is like, nah, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that. Like, I'd want, I want to come, but it would cause up too much drama. Like, I feel like Boz just, like, he understands. He is empathetic enough to understand this would cause drama. It would distract from my son's big day. I don't want that. I just want my son to have a good wedding day. And if that means I'm not there, if that means I don't come so as not to distract from the true purpose of that event, so be it. Like, it's this very mature decision on the part of Bosworth. Uh, And then, after the son leaves, he has the valet bring his car to the son and not the son's car like the son gets the keys and his soon-to-be wife is like that's not your car and the son just has a look on his face like it is now (laughs) and Bob just goes home on a bus like man I live for good dad Bosworth. Good dad Bosworth is best Bosworth. I love it. Uh, So yeah, that's the episode. As far as characters having a good time goes, kind of a mixed bag. (laughs) Not gonna lie. Because Joe had some happy moments, Boz had some happy moments, and then you cut over to everyone else, and everyone else is just having an awful day. Uh, now Mutiny's kinda screwed, so... Yeah. That's fun. Uh, if you like this, favorite the podcast, anchor.fm slash Archive, so that you can be here every single Monday through Friday as I go through every single episode of this and other shows, and you can find it on pretty much whatever podcatcher app you prefer. Feel free to call in as well. It's simple as just a push of a button on the Anchor app. I'll play those on the show from time to time. If you feel so inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram, TomTom4468. And support the show, Patreon.com slash Thomas Clark. Pledge just a dollar a month. I appreciate everything I get through there. Or, if that doesn't work for you, you can also support their show directly via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. Uh, Tomorrow, we will be discussing Season 2, Episode 4. Talk to you then.